What's up? Summer at Central. Looking good out there. Yeah, doing well? Yeah. Five of us, thank you for that. Five, appreciate that. Students, welcome back. Camp, hey. Good to have you in the house, man. I've been praying for you guys and excited to hear all that God has done uh, this week. Well, hey, before we get any further, I want to give a special shout out not only to those of you here in the room, uh, but also to those of you who join us online. I want to say thanks for being with us. Uh, whenever you're in the Bay, come check us out. Let's give it up for them. Well, we got some notes you're going to be taking uh, if you want to follow along with me today. Got uh, a lot of ground to cover, so this always helps me. Hope it helps you. Uh, have you ever tried to come up with a million-dollar idea? Uh, maybe you've watched this show, Shark Tank, as men and women from around the globe come and pitch what they believe to be a million-dollar idea to this room of shark-like investors. And uh, maybe you're like me and you offer unsolicited feedback as you critique their elevator pitch uh, as they go along. But uh, you know what the, the most profitable product ever pitched on Shark Tank was? Well, it originated with this guy named Aaron Cruz, and Aaron was a car auto detailer, and uh, after scratching uh, a couple cars, he created his own sponge and, and, and buffers, and uh, he pitched it to 3M, and 3M began to produce this product, but, but they didn't pick up the line, and so uh, this product ended up sitting on the shelves of Aaron's storage container uh, for years. And then he began to think, well, I got all these sponges and stuff. I might as well use them. So he began to use them to do dishes and to clean up lawn furniture. And he said in that moment, that's when he had this million-dollar idea. And maybe you have seen uh, these bad boys, these uh, scrub daddies, yeah? Anybody use scrub daddies? Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got a few raving fans here in the room. Uh, if you don't, come find me afterwards, and this smiley face could be yours. <laughs> life change. We're in the business of life change here, so this is yours. Um, come find me afterwards. But, uh, but Aaron went on to the show, right? So with grassroots marketing in 2012, he, he began to market this idea of Scrub Daddy. After appearing on this show, Shark Tank, uh, Lori Grinner picked up this idea, and for 20% stake, she gave 200 thousand dollars the next day in just a few minutes 42,000 of these puppies were sold on QVC uh, Lori got this product in this store called bed bath and beyond um, none of the ladies have ever heard of it but it's <laughs> it's out there um, and as of January 2017 scrub daddies had sold a hundred million dollars from this sponge right here, right? And by November 2018, this bad boy right here, this company was appraised at $170 million. $170 million, right? Like just sitting on the shelf for years. And I would like to present to you this idea that I believe could be a million dollar idea that a lot of people choose to leave sitting on the shelves of their life. And you'll have that choice today as well. You can leave it sitting on the shelf or you can choose to, to pick it up. But today we're going to be talking about this idea as we look to the book of Proverbs and continue along in our series, what does the world of the generous even look like? What's the world of the generous what does that even look like? And so our theme verse throughout this series has been Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Here's what Proverbs 4, 7 says. 
It says, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. That's been our hope for each and every one of us, for myself included, as we read a proverb a day, as we, we talk on the weekends about this, these principles from the book of Proverbs. My hope for you, my prayer for you, my prayer for myself is that we'd be a people of wisdom, not just a people who have a lot of knowledge, not just a lot of understanding, but the wise use to apply the knowledge that we have into the world around us, divine Divine wisdom. So week one, we talked about, uh, gave an overview of this entire book of Proverbs and talked about really the foundation of wisdom. What is the foundation of wisdom? Uh, then we talked about four types of people that you encounter in your everyday life and best next steps as far as navigating and helping those individuals and how can we live wisely. Uh, last week, my wife talked about uh, wisdom and wisdom's reward, and you did a decent job, I would say that. You did pretty good. <laughs> No, you crushed it. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Well, today I want to talk to you about this topic that we see threaded throughout the entire Bible, from the, the front pages to the last chapter, this idea of generosity. And Proverbs, we're just going to camp out in Proverbs. What does Proverbs have to say about the world of, of the generous? And it has a whole lot to say. Uh, it's interesting to me how much the Bible talks about this concept of generosity. And I think, I think the, God knew that above all the topics in the Bible, we might just struggle with this one the most uh, as the human race. And so to, to highlight that, the, the Bible talks about a lot of great things. Uh, for example, believe. Uh, we got this word believe. The, believe is like foundational, right? Acts 16, uh, they're like, hey, what do we need to do? Uh, Paul's like, hey, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Like belief is a big, big idea when it comes to this Christian faith. But belief uh, appears 272 times. Uh, prayer, pray. Pray is like how we interact. That's how we have this relationship with God. It's huge. Pray appears 371 times. Uh, love, like the Bible makes this audacious claim that God is love. And matter of fact, that the world that we live in will know that we are followers of God because of our love for one another. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, love appears 714 times in the Bible. But this word give, this idea of generosity, appears 2,161 times. It's like God's got this megaphone. People, I want you to be generous. And this is countercultural, right? Like this is counterintuitive to the way I think, to the way you think, the way that we as the human race process life. But maybe, just maybe, this million-dollar idea will change your life. And so here's the big idea. Here's the big idea of the day. It's Proverbs 11.24. As we talk about the world of the generous, what does that look like? Here's what Proverbs 11.24 reads from the message paraphrase. It says, the world of the generous, here's what happens. It gets bigger and bigger. But the world of the stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. Winston Churchill said this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Here's what we will learn about the world of the generous from the book of Proverbs alone. If you're taking notes, this is the first fill in the blank. Uh, the generous are happy. The generous are, are, are happy people. Here's what's interesting to me about, about the Bible and whenever it talks about this concept of generosity. Like if I were to make a sales pitch for generosity, I would... Pull on, try to pull on the human heartstrings of say, hey, let's make an impact in the world around us. Uh, but the Bible usually goes inward to say, this is how generosity will help you. 
You'll be the benefiter of this. Here's what it says in Proverbs 11:25. It says, the generous will prosper. Like, you're going to benefit from this. Those who refresh others, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be refreshed. I don't know if you've ever seen like those lemonade stands uh, like six-year-olds have on the side streets in the hot summer days, right? You pull over those lemonade stands and, and you, you pay an overpriced amount for a small cup of lemonade from a, a snotty six-year-old who has his fingers all in this lemonade. <laughs> and you feel good about it somehow in the moment. Not because the, the lemonade is so delicious or refreshing, but because you were generous to a young entrepreneur and you wanted to reward the work ethic of this little boy or girl on a hot summer day, right? You know what I'm saying? You're with me. You're with me, Evan. I like that. You just feel good about it in the moment. Proverbs 21, 26 says, some people are always greedy for more. Some people are. But the godly, they love to give. And one thing I love about you, one thing I love about Central Christian Church is that your love for God is marked by generosity. You're a generous people. This talk is not to say, holy cow, what's wrong with you? Get in line. This is to say, wait, this is what the Bible says. We can't ignore it. Let's talk about it. And you are a generous people. Your love for God is marked by generosity. Here's what I mean. There's this uh, couple, Harold and Connie Nepper. They went to Tanzania 15 years ago. And uh, Harold was actually a youth pastor here in the 80s at Central Christian Church. And when they went to Tanzania, they started this kids club for, for street kids. And pretty soon they had several dozen kids. And uh, they, they were like, we got to do something with these street. We got to give them an education. So they started with first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And they were meeting in abandoned houses and they didn't have a healthy structure for this. And so the government was like, hey, if you're going to uh, meet and have a school, then you got to have a school building. So they acquired land. They got locals to help uh, give some muscle to this project. But they contacted you. Central Christian Church are like, we don't have all the resources. We don't have all the equipment that we need for this school. And you're like, we believe kids, even in Tanzania, need a good education. And so you gave. And as a result of your generosity, this is the reality, right? You're generous people. And when I see that, I think, God, you're so good that you allow us to be a part of a project like that on the other side of the globe. Thanks for wiring generosity into the heart and the fabric of your church and the fabric of, of your people. We continue to give to the Neppers every month and support their work there uh, because we believe in this idea of generosity. Uh, the generous, here's the second fill in the blank, the generous are compassionate. Compassionate. Proverbs 29, 17 says, the righteous care about justice for the poor. I mean, they care about that. But the wicked, eh, there's no such concern. Proverbs 21, 13 says, if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, man, this is big, he too will cry out but not be answered. Like there's a whole lot of benefits to this idea of living a generous life. Um, this guy named Moses, Seth, a Cambodian native, uh, was here going to school and was a part of the central family. And a few other guys from the central family helped Moses start this organization called AIM, uh, Agape International Missions, with a focus on rescuing women and young ladies from the bondage of sex trafficking. Uh, they heard about these, these kids, and, and here's what we believe. We believe that every child deserves a childhood. 
And so whenever we heard about this idea of sex trafficking, Moses' heart was moved with compassion for his native people. And he's like, I got to go do something. And the central family was like, we got to help. And so, so you guys and some, some leaders in the church came alongside to help create structure and give ideas to that. And uh, here's what's happening in Cambodia. Um, it, these poorer families have young kids that have to go into the workforce to begin to earn uh, a living. And so they become houseworkers for these various families in Cambodia. And in that process, they get abducted and interjected into the sex trafficking world. Well, Moses was like, well, we can't, we can't do that. We got to do something about that. And you heard about that as well. And you said, man, we got to do something about this too. And so to the tune of $250,000, you, Central Christian Church, has spoken up and said, not on our watch. Because the generous are compassionate. We're actually going to be sending a, a team, the uh, hopes of sending a team in 2020 to Cambodia to help aid in this rescuing mission for those involved in sex trafficking. If you're ever interested, you want to know more information about that, you can just fill out a connect card and you just write on their AIM, A-I-M, and we'll follow up with you, get you some more information about that upcoming trip as time gets closer. But as the Central Christian Church family, man, we continue to support people around the globe and works like this because uh, the generous, we just can't help it. We're compassionate, compassionate people. That leads me to the next observation, next fill in the blank. The generous are blessed. The generous are blessed. Proverbs 22, 9 says, blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. Like, how cool is that? Uh, that's why the world, the generous gets bigger and bigger. Whoever gives to the poor, you're not going to lack anything. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. I don't have time to tell you about all the refugees' efforts around the globe. Uh, but one stood out. Uh, Nadam Costa uh, and his organization in the Near East uh, gave aid to the Syrian refugees. And um, what's happening in Syria is interesting. I mean, it's sad. Six million people in Syria, one million of those six million are refugees. Uh, due to war, uh, government wars, ISIS, all, all kinds of crazy things happening there. Um, but Nadam was like, man, we got to do something about this to help these refugees. And so he contacted you, the Central Christian Church family. And to the tune of $100,000, you guys spoke up for some refugees on the other side of the globe. And here's what you did. You provided blankets and insulated sleeping bags and cooking oils and food for 1,500 families. And you're blessed because of that. How good is that? And here's what happened in this predominantly Muslim area. Uh, because these different sects of refugees were not the same sect of Islam that was able to provide aid, these, these Muslims were shut off. But you, the church, stepped in. And so they're like, why would Christians help Muslims when our own people aren't helping us? And it was a springboard, a beautiful springboard to conversation to say, hey, I just want you to know, we serve a generous God. And the followers of our God are naturally generous as a result. And, and, and whenever we see injustice, when we see things that are wrong in the world, we're moved with compassion. And we give because he first gave. And his generosity towards you doesn't end with a blanket and a warm meal. But God has been so generous to you. He gave his one and only son. And it was a beautiful opportunity to speak up for some people who could not speak for themselves. The fourth, 
fill in the blank there. The generous are rewarded. The generous are rewarded. Proverbs 19.17 says this, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Let me just read that one more time. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. My question would be, what do you suppose God's ROI is? You help the poor, you're actually lending not to, you're not just helping the poor, you're lending, God says you're lending to me and here's the deal, I'll reward you, I'll repay you. There's going to be return on your investment. Last words are important. And we come to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Uh, Jesus is talking to this guy named John, and here's, here's what he says. He says, look, in Revelation twenty two twelve, look, I'll, I'm coming soon. And, and let that just be a reminder to all of us today. Some of you have been carrying some heavy stuff this week. Some of you have been looking out to the future, and man, it just is daunting, right? But here's, here's something that will lighten that load. Jesus says, Jesus promised, I'm coming, and I'm coming soon. It's not going to be this way forever, right? That's right, Velma. There's going to be a day where there's no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. He's coming soon. There's going to be a day when injustice in the world is made right and justice is ushered in. There's going to be a day when all that's broken is going to be healed and fixed and we're going to be reunited with loved ones who have gone before us and love God faithfully and saints throughout the age that carried this torch well. He says, but hey, just a reminder, I'm coming soon. Here's the deal. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. It leads me to this next big idea I want to talk about today. And this is on the back side of your page, your notes. It's a life of legacy. How, how do we live this life of legacy? And here's my hope. Here's my hope for you. My hope for myself is that we would be a people that live life right here, right now, that outlives our life right here, right now. That we'd be a people that live and conduct our lives in such a way that, that, that there's more that will go on long after we're gone. So how, how do we do that? How do we be a people that live the life of legacy? And how does that connect with generosity? Well, here's, here's what leaving a life of legacy looks like. Here's what those people do in Psalms 112.9. It says, says, they share freely. They give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's my hope for you, that you live your life in such a way that you'll, your life will be marked, remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. That's what I want for you. I want you to live a life of influence, a life of honor. It begins with a life of generosity. Psalm 12, 112, 5 through 6 says this, uh, good, to come, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice, Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. We go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now in that text, Paul is talking about finances and being generous with our finances. But here's what I would say as well. God is generous to you in every way. And so I think the life of the generous is marked by being generous in every way, not limited to one bucket. So I want to talk to you about how can we be a generous people. The first fill in the blank on that section, and this leads to a life that leaves a legacy. 
and is generous with our time. We need, what if we were generous with our time? What would that look like? Psalm 90, verse 12 from the English Standard Version reads this. It says, so, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Let's, let's make the most of every day so that we can live with this, live a life of wisdom. For some of us here, man, you, you are super generous with your time. For some of us here, it's like, hey, bro, like, I'll cut you a check, but don't ask for my time because I ain't got none. And I get that. I understand that. But some among us, you're so generous in this area, and I just want to pause and say thanks. Some of you, man, you attend one service and you serve one service, and I want to say thanks for your generosity. Some of you give up your weekends to, to help roll out the red carpet on Sunday mornings. So when we show up, man, this place looks great, and it's because of your generosity. I want to say thanks to some of you who, who show up throughout the week, and no one knows what you do. It's unseen. But this church comes to a screeching halt if it's not for your investment, your generosity with your time. Thanks. Some of you, man, we just can't say thanks enough for how you use your time to help move this mission of helping people finding and following Jesus down the tracks. It comes to a screeching halt. Thanks for your generosity. That's why we call you the dream team. Because this dream, man, it doesn't happen if it's not, if it's not for you. This, what, what we believe God has put in our hearts, the heart of the leadership, heart of the elders team, for Central Christian Church is so much bigger. So much bigger than any one individual. So much bigger than really all of us here in the room. But it will require all of us to be generous with our time and investing our time well. And you say, well, hey, I don't have a whole lot of time. I just can't be involved on a regular basis. All good. I get it. But I would like to present an opportunity to you to be involved today. Uh, we're having kids camp this week. Anybody got kids going to camp this week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Camp's a big deal around here. We were talking to people on our kids' baseball team. They're like, they got 25 camps over the summer. I'm like, wow, camp's real around here. Uh, but, but, but Camp Central is going to be real here. We got power up happening this week. Uh, and, and here's what I know to be true, man. We want to roll out the red carpet to every family that's bringing their kids this week to power up. And I believe that God's going to move in such a profound way that some kids are going to begin to find and start following Jesus because of your investment. Some of you are taking the week off of work to invest into this camp. I just want to say thanks for your generosity. But even if you can't do anything this week, after our 11 o'clock service at 1230, we're going to be setting up for camp. And here's what I would ask of you. I would love for you to invest some of your time, to be generous with some time this afternoon, to help us be positioned to roll out the red carpet as new families, new kids, as your kids come onto this place. And wouldn't it be nice to know as you roll into work on Monday that, man, you've already invested some of your time to help some kids find and follow Jesus. That can be your reality. We would love to have you. Uh, it won't take a long time. If everyone shows you, like, what if everyone shows up? Awesome. We'll be done in five minutes. That would be great. Uh, we would love to see you invest some time to help some kids find and follow Jesus this week. 1230, multi-purpose room. we got checklist. It's already ready to roll out. Kristen's on. It's going to be good. Last year, February 21st, 2018, um, America, the world, lost a key influencer. Billy Graham conducted large evangelistic rallies in more than 180 countries, six continents. He was a friend and counselor to 12 U.S. presidents. His estimated lifetime audience was 2.2 billion people. More than 3.2 
million people responded to the gospel through his ministry. Our, our, we have family members who are part of that. And, and I'm just telling you, the legacy, the line ha- has changed because of this man's investment and in, in helping our family find Jesus. But at one point, Billy Graham said this, and I would wish he was here to say these words to you. I urge each of you to invest your lives, not just spend them. Each of us is given the exact same amount of seconds, minutes, hours per day as anyone else. The difference is how we redeem them. You cannot count your days, but you can make your days count. We cannot count our days, but we can choose right here, right now. We're going to make our days count. I I hope I live long enough on this earth to walk my baby girl down an aisle like this and give her away to a man of integrity. I hope I live long enough to see my young boys turn into men of character. I hope I live long enough so Tiffany and I can celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. I hope I live long enough so that that I can have some grandkids and spoil the snot out of them, load them up on sugar, and send them home with my kids. (laughs) I hope I live long enough, but here's the deal. I don't know. I don't know, and neither do you. We cannot count our days, but we can make a decision right here, right now, to we're gonna make every single day count. Every opportunity is gonna matter. Here's what I know, you might write this down. What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others lives beyond us. Let's be generous with our time. Leads me to our second observation. We can be generous with our talents. Some of you are so talented. Everyone in this room has a talent uniquely gifted to you. What if you were generous with that talent, to invest your talent in something much bigger than any one of us? 1 Peter 4.10 says this. It says, says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve others. And and talents and spiritual gifts are two different things. We talked about that on May 12th in our series on the Holy Spirit. You can go back online and check that out if you would like. But I would say this. Use your time. Use your talents. Use your spiritual gifts to serve others well. Mother Teresa put it this way. A life not lived for others is not a life. Let's be generous with our talents. That leads me to our third observation. Be generous with our touch. Be generous with our touch. And for those of you who aren't touchy-feely, I thought about putting text messages in that just because I needed a T. Uh, but I chose touch because touch can be a lot of different things, right? It's not just a physical touch, although that's, that can be part of it. Uh, but tease that out a little bit. What if you were generous with your text messages this week? You can change the trajectory of someone's day with a text message. You're going to have conversations, even today before you get off this campus, and people are going to say, hey, you know what, like I'm sending my kids to camp for the first time, a little nervous about that. Someone's going to say, hey, I got a doctor's appointment coming up, not really sure of the outcome. Some of you are working on big projects at work, and you got these milestones and these, these deadlines coming up, and they're going to share that before they get off campus, and you know when that deadline's coming up. And what if, what if we were a people that just took a moment to set a reminder in our phone and said, hey, Wednesday morning. Text Pat, big week. And I just took time to say, Pat, I know this is happening. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Someone did that for me this week. On Wednesday, I was going to the doctor to get this stupid thing checked out. And, uh, and he said, hey, I know today's your doctor's appointment. How are you feeling? 
And just that little touch made me think, you know what, I'm not in this alone. There's, there's people that have my back. There's people in my corner. Little touch, big difference. Some other ways, some practical ways to, to have a, be generous with your touch. Be generous with your smile. You guys have great smiles. Be generous with them. What if we were sympathetic? These are all going to be S's because it's, it's a pastor thing. I don't know. <laughs> what if you're generous with your smile? What if you're sympathetic? Like, hey, I hear you. Man, wow. Tell me more about that. What happened? Man, how would you process that? Wow. I can't imagine. Right? Be sympathetic. Uh, speak up. Talking to Noni today. Noni, she speaks up. This lady, she sees good, she speaks good. I love that about you, Noni. Yeah, it's good. It's good. She's generous with her words. She's generous with her touch. And I, I just need more Nonis in my life. You know what I'm saying? Noni, can you just follow me around? That'd be awesome. My life would be better. <laughs> That's awesome. What if we were generous with our service? We talked about that. What if we were generous with, with our sacrifice? All those touch points. That leads me to our fourth and final observation. What if we were generous with our treasure? What if we were generous with our, our treasure? Um, did you know there's this restaurant in New York City with a Cheeto-themed menu? We got any Cheetos fans? People like Cheetos? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, this, this restaurant's called the Spotted Cheetah. And everything on the menu has Cheetos in it. And uh, here's what I mean. Here's an appetizer. Check out this first appetizer. Yeah, there it is. Cheeto-crusted fried pickles with creamy ranch dressing. Yeah, yeah, we're in. Let's go to New York. Let's go, let's go. Another appetizer, spicy Cheeto nachos. Yeah, looks good. And here comes the main course. We got flaming hot lemon chicken tacos. Yeah, there it is. They say this is one of the most popular delicious items on the menu. Flaming hot white cheddar mac and Cheetos. What's up? Yeah. I'm getting hungry. Dessert is on the menu. Check this out. Cheetos Sweetos Crusted Cheesecake. Uh, some people hate it. Some people are like, bring it on. Challenge accepted. There are some weird restaurant concepts out there, uh, but you know what you will not see on the menu? Leftovers. <laughs> Today's special three-day-old meatloaf. Come on back, the chef's special half-eaten burrito. Right? How about that casserole? I don't care how many Cheetos you put on it, I'm not buying a week-old casserole. Like, I'm not going to a restaurant. Diners are not lining up for leftovers. You know what I'm saying? How, how many people like leftovers? Some do, some don't. All right, 10 of us, awesome. Well, for the 10 of us in the room, I'm with you. I like leftovers. Here's what I believe about leftovers. It's fast, it's efficient, it's frugal. All those are big buckets in my life. And I like leftovers. I don't have to spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. And the cleanup, come on, the cleanup, you're done. Others of us in the room, leftovers, not happening. And here's what you do, though, just to appease your mind. You take that casserole and you put it in some Tupperware. And you slide it in the refrigerator. <laughs> Lunchtime, next day. Oh, I got casserole. You, you go, you look at it. You just can't bring yourself there. You put it back. Days go by. 
Days turn into weeks. And then it's time to clean out the fridge, right? And you go, oh my gosh, what's in this Tupperware? And you open it up. Lid back on, right? And maybe you hold your nose as you go to the trash can and dump it, right? Or, confession, some of us have been there. We're like, Tupperware's not even worth it, baby. I'm going in the trash with the whole thing. You know who you are, right? Yeah. You know who you are. When you look at the Bible, you read the Bible, you learn that God's not big on leftovers either. You read the Old Testament, you see this phrase, first fruits, over and over again. It's a term that was used in the agricultural era. And here's what I mean. In Exodus 23, 19, it says this. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. And here's what that's saying. It's saying, you know what, it, here in the Bay, we get this. There's a lot of produce. Uh, it used to be orchards all around here. I remember Velti telling me stories about how everything surrounding this area was nothing but orchards. And we get this. And so here's what would happen in this era as it was a farming culture, agricultural era. Uh, cherries, first harvest of cherries. All the cherries come off the trees. And here's the deal. We're, we're take, these are first fruits. We're giving this to the house of the Lord. Maybe it's a, a farmer, he's raising cattle, more likely sheep in this day and age, or a goat. First offspring, that's the Lord's, that's the first. And we look at that and we somehow think, you know what, that must have been easier back then. Because it was an agricultural society, but there was a lot of risk in that. If I take all the cherries off my tree, there's no guarantee that I'm going to have more cherries. Right? But God says, no, 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 first fruit, it's mine, that's what I want. I want the first. I want the best. Don't give me your leftover casserole with all the Cheetos on it. I don't want that. I want the first. And that's a big risk because, you know, you know, animals could come in and eat the rest of the harvest. Raiders could come in and get it. There's no guarantee there's going to be any more. And, and, and what God is doing to this nation of Israel and what he's doing to us as followers of God is saying, you know, I want the first. Not because I care about cherries, but I do care about your heart. God doesn't want your money. He does want what is tethered to it. And Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is high risk, giving the first fruits, being generous with our finances. Um, Tiffany and I, man, we, we've practiced this principle throughout our married life, and we have not always had an abundance. I would be the first to say that. There are some months where I feel like we got more months than money. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've been there. I know it. But I would say this. We've been consistent. And to the best of our ability, we've been faithful in this area of life. And I would say this. We've never had to reuse a diaper. We've never had to uh, borrow somebody else's formula. We've never, we've never been lacking. We've never, I've never missed a meal. I know that may be shocking. God comes through somehow, some way. He does more with 90% than I could ever do with 100%. Proverbs, here's why we give. Here's, here's, here's one of the reasons why. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It just comes right out and says it. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit. Don't bring him the leftovers, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. He's saying, honor me. I'll take care of you. We come to this 
book of Malachi 3.10, and it is just very, boom, bullseye, straightforward. It says this, bring the whole tithe. And tithe was a numerical term. It means 10%. And uh, there were several offerings in this culture, but, but, but a tithe was to come to, to, to the house of the Lord. It was a 10% right off the top. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Check this out. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough for it. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say bring a whole tithe into the storehouse so we can help the homeless here in our community. It doesn't say bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so we can help some people in Tanzania. It doesn't say bring the whole tithe so we can help your neighbors. That's a byproduct. But the Bible, it's just interesting to me. It talks about how you will be benefited from this life of generous. A couple observations from this text. It's interesting to me. He says, test me in this. Throughout the Bible, God says, don't test me. You know, Jesus is tempted in the desert. He says, thou shall not test the Lord thy God. Don't test him. But then when it comes to this concept of generosity, the only place, the only area where God says, no, bring it. Like, you want to test me in this? I dare you. I dare you to see if you can outgive me. I dare you. I dare you. He's generous. He says, test me. That's interesting to me. Go ahead, test him. Second thing I think is, is God is daring us to give more than we think we can afford so that he can do more than we can imagine. Will people in the community be blessed by your generosity? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But more importantly than that is what God will do in you and through you as you trust him. I could talk a whole lot about this. I mean, we could have a whole long line of people from this room right here, right now, tell how God has been faithful to them as they stepped out in faith and trusted them in this area of their life. And it's a big deal. I get it. I get it. But you'll never take hold of this principle until you put it to action. And that's why God says, he sends an invitation to you today. Trust me. Just trust me. You're not going to take hold of it until you experience it. you got to experience it. Trust me. Jesus, one of his first messages, he said this, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, we don't give just to get. See you later, scrub daddy. Um, we give because we serve a very generous God. Now, it's summertime, right? And so uh, uh, you're a stellar guy. Thank you so much for that, Francisco. Um, summertime, right? And uh, nothing better in summertime than a cold, refreshing drink. You know what I'm saying? How many of you, you stop by that gas station, you're like, oh, yeah, baby, I need one of these puppies. Fill it up with a slushy. So good, right? These, some of you are old enough to remember this. This would be like a large back in the day. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but somehow, somewhere along the line, in, in our humanity, in our generation, more is always better, right? And so we adopted this framework of living with, I gotta have more. Now, here, here's interesting reality. The National Institute of Health says, and I quote, a healthy adult bladder can hold 16 ounces, two cups, 
a fluid comfortably. This is enough to fill your bladder, baby, right here. This is enough. This, this is a large. But more is better. And so someone was like, no, we need the big gulp. You guys remember when these first came out? Uh, we, we started making like all kinds of concoctions. We became soda artists when these came out. We're like, we're going to have a little bit of Coke, Dr. Pepper, Sprite, a little bit of punch. In it. Yeah, refreshing. How many of you have ever downed one of these bad boys? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, then guess what happened? Things started to get out of control. We got the super gulp. Super gulp right here. This is, uh, this, is, this is a big boy, 44 ounces of goodness right there. Then 44 ounces. You heard it right, Kayla. But then the double gulp. Yeah, more is better. You don't believe me? Ask 7-Eleven. Here we go. The double gulp. This actually invoked some legal action in New York City, and they tried to ban this big boy right here. Yes, the double gulp. Four times what your bladder can contain because more is better. Right? And then, I don't even, I'm just going to put this up here. <laughs> I left it in the wrapper so you wouldn't judge me. I think this is my new coffee mug, actually. <laughs> Let's just, wow. 100 ounces of beverage. Because more is better, right? And some of you, here's the deal. This is disgusting to you. Some of you are like, challenge accepted. 100 ounces, I'm in. You know what I'm saying, Evan? Come on. All right. Here, here's why I, I say that. Because we live in a society where it's like, if I have this cup, the only thing I want in life is this one. And once I get this one, oh my gosh, if I could just have a little more. And then, then, then we get to this place where we're like, what's left? Right? But we live with more. More is better. And then here's a second thought. Which one, you know, holds the most? Which one receives the most soda? Well, the logical answer would be like, whatever this thing's called. Obviously, the bigger the container, the more it can contain. And so we want this. And so even if you don't, like soda. We live in a culture, we personally live with this mindset every day of our life. And what the shocking wisdom of the Bible is, is that, 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 that the most doesn't get poured here. What, what, what the wisdom of the Bible says is that, you know what, God's actually, we, we, we're looking at cups all wrong. When, when God, the creator of the universe in his sovereign wisdom says, no, 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 I'm trying to make you into a different kind of vessel. And the, the, the container that receives the most beverage isn't something that is contained for selfish reasons, but it's a container that will be poured out so that a thirsty world can be refreshed. And as we pour ourselves out, more begins to get poured in because we've proven trustworthy. We're not trying to become a bigger gulp. 
We're trying to become a different creation, a different people. So the world would look in and say, wow, there's something different about them. What we heard earlier, why would Christians on the other side of the globe try to help us when our own Muslims wouldn't? Because we're striving to represent God as God is represented. And let me tell you this. Whenever you begin to pour yourself out, you're you're being more and more like your father in heaven. Because he's a generous God. You're restored a little more to his image. And a thirsty world is waiting for you. Billy Graham said this says, God has given us two hands, one to receive, the other to give. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for sharing. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We're called to be channels made for sharing. The wisdom of God says, you know what? We're not trying to be a bigger container to hoard more. We're trying to become a different creation so a thirsty world can be refreshed. Your last fill in the blank today. Wisdom from week number four is this. This isn't a million dollar idea, but I do believe it is a priceless idea if you take hold of it. Because more importantly, what God will do through you as you pour your life out is what God will do in you in the process. And here it is. The value of life isn't determined by how much I achieve or accumulate, but by how much of my life I give away. The value of life isn't determined by how much I achieve or accumulate, but by how much of my life I give away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being so generous towards us, God, you've entrusted us with life, with influence, with affluence, the ability to make money and have jobs. And God, you've just given us health and the ability to gather together in a room like this to worship you without fear of consequences. And we recognize in a world like this, there are people on the other side of the globe that don't have that luxury. So we say thanks. Thanks for your generosity towards us, God. Would you help us? God, would you help me? Not just look for a bigger container, but God, to be a different kind of vessel. Would you change us into who you want us to be so we can become more like you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.